On today's episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be talking about the why, the when, and the how of hedging. Before I go on, just a quick disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, so everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. So this episode is kind of a follow-up to the one I did on the VIX call ladder. Um, I want to make it separate because I know a lot of people were asking about the mechanics of the VIX call ladder, so I want to get that out there and have this separately. Um, just having some of my thoughts um, and kind of philosophies and best practices that I tend to follow in regards to hedging. So first of all, before you even start, you really need to consider why you're hedging at all, right? And what exactly is it that you're hedging? Is it some kind of long equity position that you, it's a buy and hold and you don't want to sell it? Um, are you trying to hedge another strategy? Um, for example, maybe you have a, a short put strategy and you wanted to hedge some of that downside exposure. And this is important because ultimately, at the end of the day, size is really the best hedge. So you first need to think about whether or not you're just trading too large, right? If it's trading at a size where the loss or potential loss is something you're uncomfortable with, really you should just consider trading smaller, right? Now, in the instance of the equity, uh, which is why I mentioned if it's something where you're either have a long-term bias or you need to hold on to it for tax purposes, you know, there may be some other secondary considerations why you don't want to, um, you know, size down the position. And if it's some kind of option strategy, again, number one, check your sizing. If number two, you really, for whatever reason, want to maintain that size, uh, then you should just consider, um, if you haven't already, some other kind of risk management, right? Either a stop or an adjustment, because ultimately that, that is a form of hedge, right? Um, so that's the why. You have to figure out what exactly you're doing and why you're doing it, and that's going to help you figure out, you know, sizing and everything. Um, and as far as when, in terms of timing, now I tend to, uh, with the VIX call ladder, for example, this is a perpetual hedge. There is no timing aspect. Um, if you wanted to, you could do just-in-time hedging, like. And I don't do this myself, but if you, you know, do TA or whatever, have some kind of indicator you follow and you have, um, you know, maybe you're in a bullish to neutral uh, kind of uh, outlook and all of a sudden that changes based on the news or market action and you can, you know, go in and go buy puts or something, right? If you think there's going to be a crash, obviously just in time hedging is going to be most likely more expensive. Um, but if you do it correctly and you time it, which... I don't really think anyone can do very accurately, but if you do, it might pay off because then you'll have the protection in place when you actually need it and not have that drag all the time. But I tend to do it as a perpetual hedge because, you know, I, for one, don't have any confidence in being able to time the market. And uh, number two, it's just something that for me is like giving you peace of mind, right? For example, you have know, health insurance or home insurance or car insurance. And those aren't things that you necessarily want to pay off, right? These are just things you buy as risk management, right? In case of a tail event. Um, and it gave you some peace of mind and gives you some conviction to carry on with your everyday activities, right? So they may give you some, they may give you some conviction to press on with the strategies you're running even if you're sized correctly in have risk management, right? Because that's the idea with black swans. We never know how and when they're going to happen. 
So if there's something that helps you sleep at night and not kind of be worrying all the time, that in and of itself may, may have some value, even if you are not, in fact, profiting from the hedge. Again, the hedge is like insurance, right? You don't want to be profiting from that normally. So as far as how to hedge, you don't have to overcomplicate things. I think the VIX call ladder is pretty straightforward, and that's just one example of, you know, just buying 10 delta call options on the VIX, right, on a fixed schedule. Um, or you can buy long put options on the index, SPY or SPX. You can buy back ratios. Um, there, there's a number of resources out there. There's books you can buy on different hedging methods. But ultimately, I think you don't want to overcomplicate or overthink it. You know, there's different ways you can, uh, and, and people always talk about like how to mitigate the cost, right? And there's different financing schemes and different strategies you can pair with it. And after some thinking, you know, I, I used to not like this um, so much because again, it overcomplicates things. And But now I think as long as you can keep it straightforward and really stick to the goal, um, and it's simple, simpler at least to execute, um, then, then it's okay if you want to try and pair that with some kind of income strategy to, you know, to finance the hedge. But just know that, you know, and the idea of financing is having some kind of other strategy to essentially offset the cost, right, and, and have a so-called free hedge. But remember, you know, a free hedge is basically the holy grail, right? The, such a thing does not exist. If you're going to do something to offset the cost, there's always going to be a risk, right? No matter what, nothing is free, right? If it's not a financial cost, you know, not a dollars out of pocket cost, there's going to be some kind of risk somewhere. Um, it could be temporary drawdowns. It could be um, higher BP usage. So you really need to figure out what exactly you're doing and how, you know, where the pros and cons and where the, where the pitfalls are. If you're going to start doing some, some kind of more complicated scheme. Um, and, and I think at the end of the day, if you can't, um, wrap your head around that. The the best practice is just to keep it simple and allocate a fixed amount, right? Of course, that comes down to how much. You know, I, people ask me questions like, how much should I hedge if I want to offset all the losses from strategy X, right? Or how many call options should I buy, you know, per X contracts of SPX puts SL, whatever, right? And And again, if you want to get some context, you can definitely backtest hedging strategies, right? But the problem is, again, if you're doing tail risk hedging, you're never going to know what the next tail risk events, what it's going to look like, how it's going to play out. So all the data you do, just keep in mind, it's going to give you some context, but it's never going to be perfect, right? Because even if you have everything dialed in and sized in perfectly. And even if that were true, let's say you said if there was a 20% drop and VIX went to 60 or 70, this would produce X amount of dollars, which would offset the losses from this strategy, right? And you model it. And even if that were to play out, you're not going to be able to time it perfectly unless you just get lucky because when things are happening, these things don't happen instantly or overnight or, or in a predictable fashion, right? You may have... You know, let's say you predicted that this hedge would give you a 20% profit in, in a certain, you know, kind of scenario. And then halfway there, you're sitting on 10% profit. 
I mean, are you really going to give that up, right? And that gets into the idea of monetizing, right? You have to monetize. You need to have some kind of game plan in place because otherwise, again, if you rely on luck, you may hit the lotto and, and get that full profit and catch the bottom or whatever, but most likely you're not going to. And it's better to get some of the profit than to sit there, do nothing and lose it all, right? I'm talking about profits from the hedge. Um, unless, of course, you, you solely want to mitigate drawdown and prevent a margin call. I mean, in that case, it's probably okay. And, and that's why, again, it's such a hard question to answer and it just comes back again to you need to figure out what exactly you're hedging for and what your goal with it is because that's ultimately going to determine how you're going to act. Um, but it's going to have some kind of plan in place. You know, uh, and I kind of touched on these in my episode on the VIX call ladder because, uh, you know, a fixed uh, VIX target, right? This is when I'm going to start liquidating the hedge or a fixed profit target. Um, and you don't have to do all or nothing. You can take it off in stages. Um, or if you have certain losses from another strategy and, you know, the hedging is offsetting that and you see that as a good chance to kind of just give you a clean slate, that, that could work too, right? At the end of the day, I think taking profits on some of it is generally going to be better than doing nothing um, unless you get lucky. So as far as the sizing, do backtest, get some context, um, but you're never going to know exactly. So don't overthink it and don't overdo it because if you size it too much and spend too much, right, it, at, at some point, you know, if car insurance got too expensive or home insurance, at some point it doesn't make sense, right? And it's just going to drag your returns unnecessarily. So I've mentioned that I'm allocating about 3% to the VIX call ladder, for example. And th this was kind of arbitrary as well. Um, it just happened because in the option alpha video, that's what Kirk said. He did a quarter percent per month, which is 3% a year. And I went with that. It worked. And again, anecdotally, I had a friend that had a one, you know, so with the 120 DTE um, VIX call ladder, because you have kind of four tranches at any one time. So the quarter percent per month adds to about a 1% allocation overlapped at any one time. So this happened to be 2000% return, which was 20% return on the, um, on the account. And backtesting shows it could have been more. And clearly at this point, at the current volatility levels, it's not going to work as well. So just keep that in mind, okay? I personally don't think there's going to be a tail event of that magnitude anytime soon, but I'm still just keeping something on, right? Because it's for that peace of mind and it's just for consistency. And it's just something that you want to make it a habit of. Um, so anyways, that's just kind of some of my thoughts on that. Again, just uh, why you want to hedge, when you can do it and different ways and how and sizing. Uh, fortunately, you know, you may not get a perfect answer out of this episode um, because really there is none, but I just want to provide uh, some thoughts I had in different contexts. So hopefully you can kind of think about it and make that decision for yourself and, and come up with something that you're comfortable. All right. So anyways, let's leave it there for today. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It's available on most of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also find more of my content on my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com where you can find all of my strategy mechanics, notes, trade logs, and essays I've written on various topics and other podcasts that I recommend. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter at The Trade Buster. 
that's it for today, guys. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.